Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. My name is Mandy Adams, and I have the privilege of leading the Behind the Lids Healing Collective here in Costa Mesa, California. Our podcast is an opportunity to share the wisdom of facilitators who hold space and bring healing at our studio, as well as experts and influencers we believe you should know about. Before we join our conversation for today, we'd love for you to hear about an upcoming event at Behind the Lids. We have some exciting news to share with you. Behind the Lids is now offering online classes, and we just announced the first four taught by Mana Dabokur, psychic medium, life coach, and former therapist. If you're curious about communicating with animals, discovering and developing your eight clairs, your intuitive senses, overcoming self-doubt and unleashing inner confidence, or learning how to interpret your dreams, head on over to BehindTheLids.com online. That's BehindTheLids.com online and learn more about our new online classes. Welcome to the Behind the Lids podcast. I'm your host, David Trotter, and today our guest is Mana Dabelker, a psychic medium, life coach, and a former therapist who teaches multiple online classes at Behind the Lids, including a 12-week psychic medium certification that is really eye-opening. As she's also a spiritual coach to a number of royal offices in the Middle East and speaks nine languages and is one of the few people in the world who can actually read and write Sanskrit, one of the oldest languages in the world. Now, I first met Mana at an in-person event that we held at Behind the Lids. It was kind of a psychic mediumship 101, kind of an intro class just to get your feet wet, get a taste of what it's all about. And because of my background, I was kind of, okay, I was really skeptical, but curious, very open, but pretty skeptical, you know, as well, kind of. Uh, half and half, I guess I'd say. And when I saw her create a space that was not weird, it was just kind of an ordinary space. It was sacred, but it wasn't weird. And she began to connect with non-material bodies, as she would call them, people that had passed on and their spirits are in the room to connect with loved ones. And when I saw her and heard her give detailed, specific information about those individuals, including names and dates and ways that they had passed away, there was no possible way that she could have known that information. No way. These are complete strangers that are showing up. And to see how people were touched with the ability to connect with their loved ones, it was really eye-opening. Okay, Mana is the real deal. And I have gotten a chance to uh, participate in the Psychic Medium Certification Program and see how she creates such a safe place for new students to connect with the spirit world and learn how to use our intuitive senses. So I cannot wait for you to hear all that we talk about. She is incredibly articulate at what she does and how it all kind of has come into her life. It's just really amazing. So let's jump into my conversation with Mana Dabelker. Mana, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. It's so good to be here. Yeah. So I want to hear a little bit about your journey and how you discovered for lack of a better you know, word, your psychic abilities. Was there a specific moment that was like this, whoa, you know, like uh, something's happening that I, you know, that's different or, or was it just more gradual? Walk us through kind of your journey a bit. Um, I didn't set out to be a medium. <laughs> Let me start with that. 
Um, I've been a therapist and a teacher for a very long time. So I did life life coaching and therapy. And that's what I did for a very, very long time. Um, and then in addition to that, of course, you know that I, I have four beautiful dogs and I work with thousands of kids all, you know, all, all over the world. So that was my focus for a very long time. Um, being a trained medium didn't exactly fit into my plan. <laughs> and uh, yet here I am, right? Uh, so if I go all the way back into my earliest memories of, of being a child and, and I can remember seeing the spirit world, like I actually remember when I was three years old, that was my very first experience. Um, then what stands out is the when you when you have your first experience with the spirit world, what stands out is this incredible feeling of love that you feel in that moment. And that split second moment, I think, left a lasting impression on my mind. And I wanted to listen. I wanted to help. But I didn't exactly know how because I was just three years old. <laughs> and that as I grew up, and my family was really very religious. So as I grew up in a very religious family, I didn't see the spirit people as much growing up. Uh, because I knew they were always there. But I didn't see them as much because every time I would mention that to my mom, she would shut it down. She mm. would be like, oh, you don't see it. You don't see it. Just pray. You're not seeing anything. And, and where did you where did you grow up and what religion so was that? I was I was born in India and I spent about six, seven years in India. Then we moved to Cape Town, South Africa. And my mom and dad are Hindus. So mediumship is it's very fascinating because my mom's side of the family all the men my grandfather great-grandfather they were all mediums and they were not trained but for some reason she wasn't very open to it my mom wasn't very open to it so uh, she would shut it down every time I said to her that hey I can see something or I hear something and I, I believe that's the journey of every medium you know initially people do look at it with a lot of doubt and uh I don't think there are many mediums out there who have that support system when they're, you know, when they're first developing mediumship. Mm -hmm. So when I was six, uh, my family was driving. You asked me what, what was my first, very first experience that sure. left that impression. So when I, um, I think I was about six years old and my family was driving, driving through these gorgeous mountains. And I remember as I sat in the back by the window looking outside, there was a bike um, that passed and there were two people on it and it was speeding. They were speeding on the bike and none of those two guys were wearing helmets. As a six-year-old, I didn't think of it much, but then a few minutes later, as a car passed by, we saw that their lifeless bodies were on the, on the street. So what had happened in, in that few seconds or few minutes, I believe they were hit by a truck as they passed us. And, you know, and at least one of those two men was dead. And uh, his lifeless body lay on the street. And my mom asked me to roll up the window. She said, just roll up the window. And my dad got down to check on him. So as uh, the commotion ensued, there was a large group uh, that surrounded the, the two bodies. I saw one of the two men walking up to the car. Like the, that person walked, the spirit walked up to me. And as a six-year-old, I didn't really know what I was supposed to do in that moment. But he said to me that, can you reach out to my family and let them know that I'm okay? Wow. And I'm just like staring at this person. I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, so I just closed my eyes and ignored it. 
So that was my first very clear experience of wow. speaking with the spirit as six years old. And then I spent the first half of my life really not understanding uh, what was happening around me. So I became at, an expert at either ignore, <laughs> ignoring it or not giving it much thought. And once I remember, once I asked my mom why people I didn't know come into my dreams or why these people who I don't know come and speak with me. And she said, they don't. You just need to pray more. And as a child, that is all it takes to shut it down and think that you're weird or you're crazy and you're making things up, right? Mm -hmm. Fast forward 15 years, uh, my mom was on her deathbed. She passed away of cancer. She had cancer for about 10 years. And I nursed her in the last three months. And she would often speak about, in those three months, she would speak about seeing transition family members in the room. Now, wow. this person is extremely religious. She never believed in mediumship or any of this. Interestingly enough, I was all, I was kind of all accepting of it. I never questioned her and never said to her that, no, you don't see it. You know, I was mm -hmm. like, I exactly knew what it was. Mm. So it, I never challenged her. And after she passed away and I was leaving to come back to the U.S., uh, she was still in South Africa. That's where she passed. I was coming back and my dad handed me a book. And she, he said to me, read this book on your way back home. Uh, your mom had asked me to give you this book. The book was on mediumship and um, a book about a couple that had lost their 21-year-old son and they decided to dive into mediumship so they could speak with him. And that's the book she gave my dad to give to me before I left. And that's where it started. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And so then at some point, you, you you obviously you have this sense that you have this kind of innate ability. When did you begin to become more intentional about cultivating that or getting training or something of that nature? Yeah. So I come back after she's she's been gone for about 15 years, 15, 16 years now. I come back and I'm, I read the book on my on the flight back. Still didn't think much of it. Like I. I didn't challenge it because I, you know, it's just something that was very natural and accepting. Uh, I accepted it, but I didn't think I could do it. You know, I didn't think I could be a medium. So I come back and I was just going about my life and I get this coupon in my, a Groupon in my email a few weeks later from a medium. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I've never been to a medium before. Let me just take this up and go. So I called this woman up and she just asked me for my first name. But she gave me like three months later, like a date, three months later. So I go and that was my first experience about 16 years ago, seeing a medium, very first time. And my, my mind was just like blown away. She was so good. She was so accurate. And I'm like, how does this person know? And I still have this self-doubt. So I bring a friend with me for this session. Uh, not professional at all. I was really mean because I had so much doubt, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to challenge her. I'm going to ask all these questions that I don't know how she's finding all this information about me. Sure. And she was so good because she gave me... Um, Things, she told me things which only I would know about my mom. Of course, my mom showed up for in that session. And um, I still wasn't couldn't believe it. I kept asking her to prove herself in a nice way. But I was like, oh, can you be my friend over here? <laughs> and, um, and I think that was, I mean, that was it. That was like I had to study. You know, I had to. I, I feel like it 
came full circle back to me because the woman, my mom, who had kept me away from it, was also someone who actually pushed me to it in a way, you know, and and she stayed with me. She stays with me now and she's become a guide. I mean, she works with all our classes at this point. So mm. I think she was definitely instrumental, like her passing definitely made me realize that I need to dive deep into this and study mediumship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the difference between the term psychic and medium? And I've heard you break this down before and it's really helpful. And I'd love for our listeners to kind of hear your explanation of this. Yeah. So both psychic and me, they've used, people call themselves psychic mediums and, um, it's not the same thing. Uh, a psychic is someone who reads your state of mind. So I come from the therapy background, so I'm always looking for science behind how these things work. And uh, when you go see a psychic, there's, first of all, I need to say this to everyone, that there is nothing like fortune telling. Like there is no fortune telling. So if someone is telling you that they're looking into your future, that does not exist. Um, what psychics do is, you have an aura, so you have a beautiful electromagnetic field around you, and you're projecting your state of mind in it. 93% of what's projected out is your state of mind. So if you're depressed, people can see it. If you're happy, people can see it. Um, that's what a psychic reads. They read your state of mind. So a psychic is someone who works with uh, living human beings or animals, uh, and they can read whatever's being projected in the space around that person. A medium would take that uh, information and it's almost like kicking it up a notch because now you're speaking with energies that reside not just in bodies, but also without bodies or post-material bodies. So if you were to, let's say, go to a university for spiritual sciences, psychic would be the bachelors. You would do tarot cards, you would study uh, Reiki, you would study intuitive healing. Those are different modalities that fall under psychic work. And mediumship would be the masters because it's a different realm. It's a different dimension that you're now studying. So all psychics are not mediums, but all mediums have to go through psychic training to become a medium. Mm -hmm. So you talked about when you went to that medium for the first time, you were highly skeptical and you were definitely pushing back on her. And so how do you handle skepticism from people you know, that approach you, the, the, the you from 16 years ago, you know, how do you handle her uh, when she comes in and starts asking questions, whether it's online or in person or, you know, through comments on social media, how do you handle all of that? Um, to be perfectly honest, at this point in, after doing this for 15, 16 years, it doesn't really, it doesn't impact me the same way like it would, but I understand your question because there are people who would be just developing mediumship now. And you do deal with that, right? You do, people look at you as if you're talking crazy. Um, the way I work with that is by backing everything that we study with science. So I always, I make fun of people who say, oh, this doesn't exist. And I say, what were you doing in school? You're not paying attention in school because what we study in mediumship is really quantum physics. So if you understand mediumship from the scientific um, point of view, then you would not feel that you're talking crazy because we speak, we are, all we are studying is really physics. Mm -hmm. um, I often tell people that do, do you a little bit more research because there are incredible scientists, neuroscientists who are working with mediums out there. 
there is a project called Soul Phone Project where the scientists are coming together. It's been funded, I believe, by Harvard University. Um, but they're working on a phone that could be used to speak with people who have transitions. So if there are scientists who are working on it, there's got to be something in it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not all crazy talk. Um, so it's good for me to know these things because that gives me a little bit more conviction when I speak about mediumship. Mm -hmm. The more you become sure of it, the more you are sound um, and you understand the science behind it, then none of the other things matter at that point. Mm -hmm. So uh, several months ago at Behind the Lids, we hosted a Psychic Mediumship 101 kind of experience where people came and learned a little bit about mediumship and they saw you and some people that you had trained listen, uh, tap into the spirit world and see what spirits were there. And, you know, my background is uh, I grew up as a conservative Christian. I was a pastor for 10 years and transitioned out of that about 15 years ago. And so you know, mediumship is just straight up satanic. I mean, you are yeah. like, you're a Satanist pretty much. You're, I mean, <laughs> my goodness, I can't, you know, so I'm kind of going into this with an open mind, but going, okay, I, I want to see this. I want to see this at work. And yeah. to see the specificity that you were able to bring to the table of names of people, dates important dates and to see people in the room raise their hand and go, yeah, that's my grandfather. Yeah, that's my dad. Yeah, that's my friend. Uh, I was blown away by the lack of, yeah, there was some uh, generalities, you know, but from you personally to see you articulate who you had connected with and the way you do it, is not creepy. Like, you know what I mean? Like you just, you're just like a normal person, like doing this. <laughs> I'm like, this yes, is, this is legit. This is amazing what you were able to do. It's extraordinary. And the, you know, that first medium that I spoke with 16 years ago, she was a normal person too. So that helped, you know, if I had showed up to some weird looking person with, Thing. You know, I mean, it, appearance matters with, with mediumship because there's just so much misrepresentation and misunderstandings uh, when it comes to mediumship. People don't understand that mediumship isn't really all about speaking with the dead. You know, I mean, you're taking it now, so you understand it's a lot more than that. It's really becoming a good vessel. So you can use, just pick pick up vibrations, pick just look beyond what people are saying and doing around you. That's what mm -hmm. mediumship is. You begin to speak this uh, universal language of vibrations. So at that point, it doesn't matter whether the energy sits in a body or it doesn't sit in a body. All you're doing is really reading vibration. It doesn't matter if that spirit spoke English or not, because you're not speaking a verbal language. You're speaking the, the language of vibrations. And all that is good. But to bring people into mediumship, to get more people to be open-minded like you were, it's important how mediums present it too. Mm -hmm. You know, I can make it totally creepy if I wanted it, right? Because there's just so much information which is incorrect about mediumship out there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, where's her crystal ball? What the heck? And where's her like weird lacy <laughs> outfit or something? Like, should she be wearing like some lace or something? Yeah. Um, so 
Uh, you mentioned uh, I am and others are participating through Behind the Lids in a psychic mediumship certification, a training program, 12-week training program. And that is mind-blowing in and of itself that obviously you, you believe that people can be trained in this. Do you believe that we all have it innately in us from birth and that it can just be pulled out? Or is it more of a training thing, a skill thing? Like, how would you describe that? Yeah, I believe if you have a heartbeat, then you are a medium uh, because mediumship comes from being intuitive. And I have not met a person who is not intuitive yet. You know, everyone is intuitive. Everyone has a good instinct about things. And those are the things that we use in mediumship is intuition, mostly intuition, not really your instinct. Uh, so like I said, if you have a pulse, then you are intuitive. And if you're intuitive, then you are a psychic medium. Um, so yes, you don't have, you don't need a background. You don't, if you've never meditated, or if you have a very strong religious background that, you know, says that, oh, mediumship is weird. You shouldn't even think about it. Or maybe you're someone who has dabbled in it. It does not matter where you come from, because the course is structured in a way where within three to four weeks, everyone can speak with the spirits. That's not the challenge, though, with psychic mediumship. Speaking with the spirits isn't because it's a byproduct of mediumship. So it's going to happen. The more you begin to work on yourself, you begin to pick up vibrations. So it's a matter of time for everyone. The challenge is how do you sustain it? Because to be able to speak with spirits or energies, you have to arrive in a state of mind which is calm and good. So if you are in the 12-week period, if you're arriving in that place where everything in your life feels so good that now you can pick up all these vibrations, how do you sustain it? How do you make sure that you can do it for the next 65, 75 years that you're here in this body? That's the challenge. And I think this this course that we have, the level one and level two, is really structured for that. You know, once you go through it, it changes how you're experiencing life. Mm -hmm. So I just want to catch what you said there. Um, well, what you're saying is that the process of connecting is almost the easy part, but the hard part, the more challenging part is staying I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like in my mind, I'm thinking like a, a clear channel or a clear vessel. Is that That's right? Yeah. Is that close? Yeah. Yeah, it is. You're perfect on that because if you have, uh, if your mind is distorted, or if you're someone who is always uh, coming from a place of emotions, good emotions, bad emotions, if you're not, if you are not grounded, if you're constantly off-centered because you're feeling these emotions, no boundaries. Maybe your family drags you down every day. All these things mean that you're not a good vessel to channel information. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening is if those things exist in your life, if your mind is distorted, it's not in the right place. Um, if you have physical pain, if there are no boundaries, you're feeling drained and depleted every day. All those things tell me that you're not in your body. Your spirit's gone. So if you're not in your body, then how are you going to pick up your intuition? How are you going to pick up the information that's coming to you? So majority of this training that we do is really, how do you come back? How do you appreciate living in a body? Because there will come a day when you'll not have your body. So when you have it, just appreciate it and use it because it's allowing you, even in this mass form, it's allowing you to speak with energies in all different forms and shapes. Hmm. Give me an example of, of a spirit that you've connected with, somebody who's passed on recently, and it was just 
you know, maybe for this, for somebody like me, who's new to this, so it's just be mind blowing. Like, are you kidding me? No way. How is this even possible? You know, like, yeah. I mean, I've seen you do it. I've seen even just a couple of days ago, you, we were connecting with someone online and you said the father's name. What the heck? You're out of control. I seriously, it's mind blowing. But give, give me an, give me an example of something that was even kind of moving for you recently that you experienced. So we do something called Tuesday night mediumship circle. So it's uh, every Tuesday night, all my students come together and then we invite, it's a free offering that we give people who cannot or may not want to pay for mediumship sessions. So it's the first intro or experience for them. So we have a client every week and they come in and we work, a group of mediums will work with this person. Um, so we were doing this a couple of weeks ago and we had a sitter, a client, things are going fine. And suddenly I see one of my students, um, I, she started like, she's really good. She's a really good medium, but I could tell it's all on Zoom. I could tell that something was off on her side because she was bringing forward someone that it didn't feel that it was for our client. It felt weird. So and so I said to her, her name's Colleen. I said, Colleen, do you think you're actually, do you have someone that is for our sitter? Because it feels like some other spirit has entered the space. And then suddenly we all realized that it was actually this young spirit who had almost hijacked the session. And we're thinking, why would the spirit, it never happens because the boundaries are set where no other spirits enter the space other than the ones who are for the client. So turns out there was a uh, person who was sitting in the session to just watch it. So we sometimes invite people to watch the session. And she had recently lost her niece. Her 14-year-old niece had passed away. And she passed away. Uh, it was a self-inflicted death. So it was a suicide due to bullying at school. And this child, this 14-year-old young, beautiful girl had entered the space because she was desperately trying to reach out to her family. And she had only passed maybe a week before that session. So we had to stop the session, ask her to leave, because that's the one thing with boundaries. If you're not invited to speak with the medium, then you're not invited. That's how you teach the spirits to not breach your space. So we had to let her go. But then we set up a session for the family. And then, of course, she showed up and she showed up with her grandparents and everyone who was on the other side. And at that point, she seemed a little more settled. Uh, but that Tuesday night, she was not. She, it was chaos. She was confused. It was very, it was a very recent death. And she was, with suicides, it's interesting because um, if you commit suicide, so there are two ways, right? One is where you're terminally ill. And you decide to peacefully take your own life. You're surrounded by friends and family. So that's still peaceful. But then the other kind where people people think that dying is going to end that pain and suffering. And it doesn't happen. You die and you're still there. The suffering still exists. You just don't have a body now. That was her case. So she was in complete state of confusion and chaos. And uh, two weeks later, we did a session for her and her family. And um she felt different. Her spirit felt much more settled and, and calm and peaceful. So I think that was that's a more recent one. But I I do about fifty readings a, a week. I mean I can't. How many? So many. Fifty five zero. <laughs> fifty a week. Yeah, yeah. I do a wow. lot of readings, wow. and it's. 
I mean, I can just go on and on about different stories, but it brings so much closure for both sides. You know, the family feels better. And that, see, when you asked me about the difference between a psychic and a medium, when you go to a psychic, people are seeking some kind of validation for things that they already know about themselves. So I know that something's off in my relationship space. Let me just go ask a psychic. But I know that something's off, which is why I'm asking. Mediumship is different because once you you may have noticed it, once you provide evidence, once you connect the family with their loved one, at that point, they don't really have any questions because they're not seeking any kind of validation. It's more like they want to know that the family's okay on the other side. So mediumship is all about connecting and psychic work is all about validation and wanting to like seek some deeper message for yourself. Yeah. And what is, I know you just said the point of mediumship is connecting, but what does that do for someone? Like, what's the point? Like, how is it more than just like, hey, look at me, I connected with the spirit. You know what I mean? Like, what does it actually do for the person that's sitting there? Yeah, I mean, I can bring this, uh, I can talk about this from the perspective of a sitter, a client. For a medium, it's really, you're just trying to heal. You know, you're just trying to be of service to others. Uh, for someone who has lost a loved one and people pass away in different ways, they're sudden deaths, they're tragic deaths. You're not expecting someone in the middle of their life passing away. You're not expecting it. Um, if you haven't spoken with that person that you loved for 15, 20 years, and you have this opportunity where you can actually reach and you can connect and you can say hello and you can say tell them that you love them and how much you miss them, that's what people are seeking. They're seeking that that it's not always a closure, but it's more of a reconnection with the people that they have lost and they may not and some of these people have not spoken with their families for a long time 10 years 15 years so yesterday when we did this session we had a um, a gentleman who lost his brother uh in covid to covid so 2020 very recent and because it was such a strange year 2020 he was in the hospital and the family wasn't able to um see him and he died in the hospital. So he showed up, his brother showed up, and you could just see there were just tears of, you know, happiness too. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't expecting it. Um, The brother shows up and he said to me, I'm so grateful because I, we are so sorry that we were not there for him in his final moments. Mm -hmm. And it has stayed with the family and they have an older mother who's in her 90s, but she lost her son. She wasn't able to see him. So just that the, you know, these, it's a, it's a weird feeling that I cannot describe, you know, where you reconnect with that family member, you can tell them once again, that you love them, you miss them. And that's amazing. That's what sure. mediumship brings to people. Yeah. And just to clarify, when you say they showed up, help people understand what's happening in that moment um, in like a group setting or even just a one-on-one setting T- take people there. If somebody haven't, hasn't experienced that before. Um, so it's really, it feels like to, as a medium, it feels like this, how we are talking right now for me. So I can see, I can sense, I can hear, I can, it's really just talking to the spirit. They don't have a body, but they could take some different shapes and forms. So I typically would, uh, in different mediums, see different information. We could be in a group setting with five different mediums speaking with the same spirit, and they may see the spirit differently. Uh, 
when I say see it, it doesn't always mean that you're physically seeing it with your eyes. It means that you can sense them. You can sense their presence. Uh, you can hear them. You can taste. You can smell. So all your clear senses are now activated and you're receiving information to your most dominant clairs. So we have eight different clair senses. We have physical senses, five, and then clairs are eight. Clear senses are your senses which pick up vibrations which cannot be picked up by your physical senses. So an example would be, let's say I am just working on my laptop and suddenly I get the smell of a perfume that my mom used. Or I can smell, or I can taste macaroons. And I'm like, but I'm not eating a macaroon. How do I get a macaroon on my tongue? What those are, those are your clear senses at work. And they're telling you that someone's trying to reach out. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then, as I've seen you do, you provide either kind of a visual description, uh, maybe their age that they passed, a date or a name or something like that, that really becomes so specific that someone could say, yes, that's my loved one. Yeah. So you provide in a mediumship set, we call it evidential mediumship, which because most of it in a reading what you're doing is 75% of the reading is really providing evidence so that family can say, I know who this is. And that evidence can look like uh, describing the spirit's personality. How were they when they were living? Uh, describing what kind of occupation, what kind of work? How did they pass? Uh, their name, if they can give you a name. The you know the day that they died, the month that they passed, how, when did they pass, what year? All these things will help the family uh, for sure know that it's their spirit, it's the loved one that is showing up. So that's what we do. In a, so that's why it looks like, you know, a medium should actually bring those and those kinds of information. If they're not, then they're not really doing mediumship. I've, I've seen many, many mediums do it different ways. But I think the most effective way of doing mediumship is evidential mediumship, where you bring information which leaves no doubt in the family's mind that they are speaking with the loved one. Mm-hmm. So like in this moment, uh, can you or do you sense like a spirit from my life here with us? Or do you have to kind of like tune in or turn it on? Or do you just automatically go, oh, yeah, I'm having a conversation with David right now. And I notice blank. Like, how does that how does that work for you? Who's with us? Who's with us right now? That's a great question. So uh, I could if I wanted to. But I wouldn't. And there's a reason. And there are a couple of things with mediumship. So let, let me just break it down. Um, when you sign up to get a reading, the medium should definitely, if they're doing it the right way, the medium should definitely ask you for your first and last name. And the reason for that is if they're not working with your name per se, then they're just invoking spirits. They're just like saying, whoever wants to come chat, you're welcome to chat. That's a wrong way of doing it because it's putting too much stress on the medium. So they will not be able to sustain mediumship for a long time. It also shows you that this person really doesn't have any boundaries. They're just open to anyone who wants to show up and speak with them. So that's number one. You want to speak with uh, only your sitter's family or friends. In a large group setting, you have many people. So that's the only time when you would just leave the door open and see who shows up. Even with that, even with platform sessions like yesterday or the one we did in Orange County. Uh, you may have noticed that what we do is we begin about five to 10 minutes before the session starts and we create a boundary around the entire space. 
And the boundary protects the group from any kind of weird energies because people fail to recognize that we have good and bad people, human beings. You also have good and bad spirits. When I say bad, I don't mean like evil. I just mean that their vibration is different. Their vibration is lower. And you don't want to invoke that. That's one. The second thing is um, you as a trained medium have to train the spirits to work with you the way you want them to work with you. The best way to understand that is think of yourself as a therapist, right? You have your beautiful office and you have a reception area. Your clients need to come and sit in the reception area. They need to have an appointment on the books to meet you. That's exactly how a trained medium works. So if I let a spirit in now, if I say, yeah, come on in, whoever wants to talk to David, come on in. Then I breach that the way I work with them because it's it's almost like you want to work with them only on a, a RSVP, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that it doesn't get overwhelming for the medium who's doing it. And that's the right way of doing mediumship. I can go against that. I can say, oh, I just want to like not do it that way. And then what, what would happen is initially it may be just one spirit that would show up, but then suddenly it's going to be a sea of spirits out there and you're going to get overwhelmed with it which is what happened to me when I first dived into it. I didn't have boundaries. I didn't know. I wasn't trained initially, mm-hmm. right? I was just like invoking spirits and they would just drop by. I mean, I remember this one time uh, I was sitting by myself in a cafe drinking coffee and uh, Sunday morning and suddenly this spirit shows up. I have zero boundaries, zero boundaries in my own life as well. Not just mediumship, just personal life. So the spirit shows up, sits with me, uh, he was in a uniform, says to me that he has passed away and he wants me to reach out to his wife. And I said, I don't know your wife. And he said, no, you do know her. She's on your Facebook. And I said, well, I have many people on my Facebook, but I don't really know people on my Facebook. I know some of them. And But he's like, no, you have to reach out. And he started giving me information. Now, as a new medium, it's exciting. It's like, whoa, you know, all these people talking to me. So I take down the notes. I write things down they were saying to me. And I look up his wife because he gave me a name and I sent that information. I said, hey, your husband came to me and he wants to talk to you. Now, this woman, like you mentioned, was a very uh, strict Christian, did not believe in mediums. And she saw my message, did not reply back. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing here. Why am I reaching out to strangers? Then after two days, she did reach out to me and she said, you know, I, I don't really believe in mediums, but I understand you don't have anything gain to gain from it. So I'll, I'll hear you. What is it? So I sent the screen grabs of the notes I had taken and she started crying. Wow. He had given me everything from how they got engaged to how he passed. So he was um, he passed away. He was in Air Force and he passed away in a, a test uh, flight with 37 other pilots. And they were married for just a few months, you know, so it was a young couple and she was so like in in that trauma, uh, the grief. And but I realized in that moment that I cannot be reaching out to strangers like that. It's just because these spirits are bossing you around. They're just Mm -hmm. invading your space, coming in. So a good medium, this is how a good medium will work. They will always ask you for your name, your last name. There's nothing wrong in giving it to them because they're not asking for anything else. Especially if you have a very common name, give it, you know, because they're working, they're protecting your boundaries. They're making sure only spirits where you will show up in that session. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So 
we have not only this 12-week psychic mediumship training that we're in the middle of, which we'll offer again through Behind the Lids, but we've uh, started offering some online classes that you'll be teaching coming up, and I want to draw those to people's attention. You can find this link in the show notes if you swipe up. It's behindthelids.com slash online. But we have Communicating with Animals, both living and in the spirit world, coming up August 23rd, 2023. Uh, we've got Discover and Develop Your Eight Clairs or Your Intuitive Senses on Wednesday, September 13th. We've got Overcome Self-Doubt and Unleash Inner Confidence on Wednesday, October 4th. And then Learning to Interpret Your Dreams on Wednesday, October 25th. So if you're listening to this after these dates, um, feel free to check out BehindTheLids.com slash online. But you can sign up there, uh, and uh, we're just so excited for you to begin to uh, offer some of these online classes. And if people want to connect with you personally and follow you and your work, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? They can uh, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is my first name, Mana, M-A-N-N-A, and my last name, Dab Wilker, D as in David, A-B-H-O-L-K-A-R. Uh, Instagram is also the fastest way to reach me. Great. And of course, we'll provide that link in the show notes so you can swipe up on your phone and check that now. So, Mana, thank you for taking time and just sharing about your journey and just all of these fascinating things. I'm really impressed by how you create a safe space for new students to learn and try these things on and gain, you know, skills and tap in. It's just incredible how you do this. So thank you so much. Thank you. We can talk for hours about that. <laughs> Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who would enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot, text it to them, and tell them to check out BehindTheLidsPodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on the podcast platform where you are listening. We'll see you next time, Behind the Lids. Behind the Lids.